This is Susan Parker with ELR Legal Search. My guest today on ELR Presents is Jessica Hernandez. Jessica, great to have you here today. Great to be here. Jessica is a certified executive coach. She's a former attorney, and she partners with her clients to help them move beyond the obstacles that they're finding in their workplace and helps them have really more fulfilling lives. She's also the co-author of a book called Let's Coach All the Lawyers, and a central primer for professionals developing legal talent. I've ordered the book. I love it. It's written by Jessica, who's graduated from George Washington Law School. She practiced in New York for a variety of firms, including Amlaw 100 firm, a smaller firm, and as in-house counsel. 11 years is her total practice time. And she then moved into really helping others as they managed through their careers first working in professional development at uh, Georgetown Law, and then in attorney development position and in-house at a major law firm. She went on to get her coaching certification and begin her practice. And so today we're going to just get her perspective on really how you can help yourself get the career and the uh, satisfaction of your career that you deserve. So Jessica, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I loved meeting you at the Professional Development Consortium Conference in Denver this past July, and I really am excited about getting your perspective for our listeners. In recruiting, we, we deal with a lot of folks, both associates and partners, who come to us and aren't really certain always what they want or how to get it. So tell me, you know, why you, first of all, got into professional development, why the title of your book, and kind of tell me about what your practice looks like now. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I practiced in New York for over a decade, and I, I spent a few years at a, a really big firm, and then I was at a smaller firm for about five years. And at that smaller firm, I was the most senior associate in the corporate department for the bulk of the time I was there, because the person right above me made partner very early in his career. So I became the person that everyone would go to with the question they were embarrassed by or when they wanted something explained to them. And over the years of practice, I always found that those were the parts that I, I loved most. I'd figure out a way to explain something to someone and see the light bulb go on for them when it hadn't before, when I could serve as a mentor. At that firm, I also co-founded the firm's women's committee because they hadn't had a woman partner before then. So started teaching myself how to build business and that was really fun for me. And then after I moved in-house, I was in-house for a while and through life circumstances ended, i.e. meeting my husband, ended up having to move um, to another city. And at that time, I really had a moment to take stock of where I was in my life and focus on what I really wanted the rest of my career to look like. And what, what kept coming back for me was the parts that I really enjoyed that really invigorated me. So I started looking into that as a next phase of my career. Since I've made that transition, I've never had a day where I wasn't really glad I did. I really thrive on helping people at various points in their legal careers, navigate the obstacles they find, navigate transitions, 
get more out of their position. And everything I do really stems from that. I love that because that's your passion. So what are some of the obstacles, some of the more common ones and challenges that you find with your clients? I think that, first of all, the legal environment is marked by certain endemic factors or situations, right? You have this population of people who, generally speaking, and I'm speaking mostly about kind of the big law type world, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have been the best and the brightest wherever they've been, right? So for a lot of people, their time at a law firm is the first time they come up upon something that they can't just work really hard and automatically get. That's not 201, but it's a common thread that I see. So whether it be that they don't make partner or that they don't get the next role that they're hoping to get or that they get feedback that they can't figure out how to digest and handle. It can be doubly difficult for someone who hasn't had the history of having to work through things like that very often. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So the coaching aspect, I would imagine, is something they may not be used to, but probably has great effects for people that are willing to to give that a shot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Another thing that I come across often, and I love your thoughts on this as well, is that the nature of the legal environment causes people to not see all of the options that are available to them. Like they don't have a handle on their own marketability. And because of that, they can end up feeling really trapped, right? So it's like, I went to law school because everyone told me that was the way to be really marketable out in the world. And now I've been at this law firm for five years and it seems like all I know how to do is this squirrely thing that I don't have five minutes to myself to even figure out what I could do next with it. And the firm's not really encouraging me to think that way anyway. We see that all the time because people are, they're so worried about the job or the thing at hand, they don't think about their career. Part of what we do is try to help them think that way, but also try to highlight their backgrounds so that other people can see them for more than this really narrow piece, right? Because so many people are so limited in how they're defined. You have to get beyond allowing that, right? So that you can see yourself in a bigger way and others can too. For sure. A lot of times when people start talking to me, particularly when they're contemplating a career transition, they're in what I think of as the running from mode. Like, I don't know what I want, but it's not this. Right, 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 right. right. And oftentimes, if you continue to do job searches in that mode, you end up repeatedly unhappy because you're not taking a step back to think about, you know, what do I want, right? What do I want to run to instead of what do I want to run from. So, and I get it. There's a spectrum. Like sometimes people are looking for a job and they just have to get a job. They can't, they don't have the luxury of trying to find the job, but I try to help people go a little more broadly, think about, you know, what it is they like about the environment they're in. What do they want to replicate? What do they want to move away from? Even if it is more of a duress type job situation so that they can be more successful when they move. What we find too is what we're trying to do is help people see that to have a successful move or a lateral integration, it really starts in the recruitment process, right? Really finding out as much as they can about themselves, the, the firm, the opportunity, and making decisions based on you know as many data points as they can. A lot of times the data points that people are working off of are what I call the album cover, right? It's like, 
years ago, I worked with someone who really wanted to get into working in fashion, like the legal side of fashion. And she had this idea in her head. So I had her doing a lot of informational interviews with people who were in those kinds of roles. And she learned that she would really be in a back office looking at licenses all the time. The reality of what that job was, the music didn't match the album cover. That's such a great analogy. I love that. I'm going to use that. I like to really operate from reality instead of hearsay or, you know, general impressions. And I think networking is the key to that, right? So even if you're working with a recruiter and that recruiter is, has you interviewing at a firm, like who do you know from law school who went to that firm? How can you get your ear to the ground to find out what the reality is? Because again, that's what will cause that job transition to have longevity. I love that. So that sounds like a great tip. Network. Find out who knows some people that work at a particular firm you might target. Get some feedback, right? Talk to me about feedback because I know it is hard, especially for any kind of high achiever, to receive feedback effectively. How do you receive feedback so that you can actually use it and move forward? That's at the core of a lot of what I do, both in terms of how to receive it and how to give it. The legal industry, again, is marked by kind of like well, you're, you're doing well until you hear something bad, right? You just operate on this assumption that it's all fine unless you hear something bad. A lot of lawyers aren't going to, by nature, be very profuse with their feedback, positive or negative. So I always encourage people, you know, every time you, you finish a big project, every time you close a deal, go back to the partner and say, hey, you know, I really want to learn. I want to know what you think I did well there and what you think I could do better. And be prepared for the criticism because you cannot get better without criticism. If you operate in a world with no criticism, then you're stagnant. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't you don't really know right, right. How, how what you're doing is playing, right? right? So I think it's critical. And a lot of times I've seen people get blindsided by a performance review because they're the, the people who are senior to them are reluctant to share anything negative until it reaches a boiling point. And so if the first time you're hearing it is in your review, it's definitely not the first time someone thought it. Right, right. And that can be so devastating when you're on the receiving end. I, I think about sports, you know, when I played basketball ages ago, if my coach only gave me feedback at the very end of the season, look, this is what you did wrong. You know, you didn't hit your, your, your free throws and, you know, your jump shots off. What? Tell me now so that I can right. do something about it. And I get there's a lot of reticence, particularly when you talk about people cross-generationally, cross-racially, you know, genders, right? They're not at ease with this. What, what advice do you have for those in the position to give feedback to become more comfortable with it? One thing I want to mention before I move to the supervisory role is that as a junior person, the feedback you get is somewhat related to how open to feedback you seem, right? Like if you have someone working for you who's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and in learning mode and curious about their performance, as a supervisor, you're going to feel much more comfortable telling them those things, right? But if every time you give someone constructive criticism, they look like they're shrinking or they're miserable, then you're going to be reluctant to make those comments. So it's, it's really... I don't want to put it on the junior person because that's not really the entire picture. But as a junior person, I think you will get more bang for your buck developmentally if you make it clear that you're eager to hear those things and you are thoughtful about how you're processing those things, right? 
oh, so you're telling me that my writing style could be crisper? I need a little more direction. Like, can you give me examples? Can you show me what you mean? I really want to take that on as my next task, right? To make my writing crisper. So how can we work together? So that's on the receiving end. On the giving end, Jessica Natkin, my co-author and I, this is why we wrote our book, right? Because I have been blown away since I've garnered the, the coaching techniques at how incredibly powerful coaching techniques are in the course of supervision. So, you know, I often coach people through delegation and supervision challenges, but a lot of my work is rooted in some of the philosophies that uh, Jessica and I talk about in the book. Some high points are when you give feedback to really make it clear that you're giving that feedback because you're in partnership with that person, because you want to help that person grow. And to, I mean, this sounds, this sounds like not language that lawyers typically respond well to, but to create a safe space, if you will, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. To make it clear, like, I understand you're not going to be able to, to, to develop without being a little messy sometimes and without making mistakes. And so mistakes are opportunities for us to see where you can get better. They're not personal failings, right? You made a mistake. It's not that you are a mistake. <laughs> So really making it clear with the people you supervise that you're in it with them, that you're growing them is something that you take very seriously. I love that. I love that because I think what happens sometimes is leaders get frustrated and then they bottle it in because they are concerned. Oh, I don't want to say anything, right? They keep it inside and then it come, when it comes out, it comes out in a way that seems confrontational we're not on the same side when when the actuality is we have the same goals for success right it's like and, if, your, if your husband never put the silverware in the dishwasher and you just did it yourself and did it yourself and did it yourself yeah. for like weeks on end and then the 25th time you're like oh my god right stop right. doing that right you're, you're at a right. boiling point at that point and it's right. not going to come out as nicely as it would have the first exactly. year 20 third time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I, I think that whole judgment thing, people, you know, obviously no one responds well to feeling judged. And I always talk to people too about moving from, from judgment to curiosity, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Isn't that better than, oh, why does he do that? Right? On both sides. How do you help people that maybe are so used to being, because because lawyers have to be so precise, right? How do you help people who are so used to having to be perfect, right? To kind of relax a little bit so that there can be growth and innovation? Because that's tough. Yeah. If you consider that your career is on a course, then you have to view those kinds of comments as merely course correction, right? You don't want to be like heading out for San Francisco and you end up in Denver, right? Right. That's, right. That, that's what might happen if your course is not corrected. So again, just like you said, getting curious from the junior perspective is like, I really want to know where I can do better. From the senior perspective, I think curiosity is really critical too, because a lot of times I see senior people making assumptions about why work product isn't up to whatever standards that they think it should be. So if you're coming at the junior person saying, how could you do this? This isn't correct. Do it like this. You get a very different type of response than if you say, you know, I'm curious about how this memo came out in this manner. Can you walk me through your process in a much more relaxed fashion, right? Because it, it elicits 
a much more calm, less defensive yeah. um, explanation where you might easily see where the misunderstanding was or easily see where a correction could be made in a much more collaborative way. So I always tell senior people, you know, again, that frustration comes up and you can like punch a wall or get that out of your system or whatever you need to do before you have the conversation. But it's really, even if you are frustrated, that frustration probably is not going to serve you in terms of getting the work product where you want it. So trying to move that frustration into curiosity is critical to have those conversations be productive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough sometimes for everybody, for everybody. Of course. You know, when I think about times in my life when I've hired coaches, whether it was when I played sports ages ago or career coaches of, of some sort or life coaches I've even hired, some people would look at me and go, like, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, what's in it for me is... I get to grow, mm-hmm. right? And is it uncomfortable to grow? Yeah, sometimes it is, almost always, right? But but I, I'm taking it as an opportunity to get myself somewhere I wouldn't otherwise be. What advice do you have for somebody who's sort of on that precipice, who's looking at, you know, maybe I need a coach. I don't know if I should. You know, what kind of advice do you have somebody who's kind of thinking about it? That's a great question. So the thing that I find most interesting about coaching is that coaching is based on neuroscience, right? So the idea is that left to our own devices, when faced with a set of circumstances, we tend to react the same ways over and over. And this is just like an evolutionary need. Um, So, and every time you react in that same way, you're creating a deeper and deeper groove, neural pathway in your brain to reinforce doing it that way. Coaching is designed to lift you up out of that neural pathway and get you to experiment with different ways of reacting. And then when something works better, reinforcing it. I think that everyone can benefit from that in some part of their life, but particularly for lawyers developmentally, you know, sometimes I work with partners who are having trouble developing business. And it's a lot of that. Well, when you're faced with a set of circumstances, this is what you do. Right. And then let's go broad. Let's bring some, what, what else could you do? What other kind of options are there? Getting out there and trying it. And then when you work with a coach, you have a feedback loop. So you go out and try the thing and then you come back and you download feedback about it and you make adjustments. So it's an incredible tool for growing, developing, changing. It's also great when you're in a decision point, really, to clarify, like, what's important to you? and What are your values and why do you do the things you do and what do you want your life to look like? The typical moments when people have reached out to me are, I've gotten this feedback. I don't know how to fix the problem. I don't know what I want, but it's not this. I'm new to having a team and I'm struggling with how to get the most from this team or I'm working with a particular individual, either supervising them or working for them. So a lot of like kind of a 360 relationship thing, you know, that that coaching can be used for. And then, you know, just sort of like time management things, a lot of things really harken back to how you're managing your time. There's kind of like this idea of wellness and taking care of yourself, but that's also related to time management. That's really interesting. That's related to time management. It is. Talk to me more about that because that is so big right now, especially after a world of global pandemics and economic uncertainty. People are stressed to the max right now right? Yeah. So that's interesting. So wellness is tied to how we manage our day and our time. Yes. 
I never thought of that. And particularly coming out of the pandemic, because it shook up the way that people's days look so much. Right. And then people got into new grooves, like new neural pathways, and not necessarily on purpose. Right. And now they're stuck with those, right? So I have worked with people, for instance, where we just walk through what their morning looks like. And then as they're saying it, they're like, why am I doing this? It's an awareness they wouldn't have had had they not verbalized it with you, right? Exactly. Or like, I don't have any time to myself. Okay, let's walk through your day. And sometimes even as they talk, efficiencies just show themselves. Or why am I going to pick up my dry cleaning if I could have my dry cleaning delivered? It's like silly things like that, right? There are opportunities for wellness start to show up when you can critically think about where you are and how you're using your time and when you're doing things that you're doing. I love that. I swear I've never thought of that. I, ne- I mean, <laughs> I never thought that as, as that being contributing to stress and conversely contributing to well-being if I really look at my time management. Thank you. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have one last question, then we can talk about how people can reach you. How much of what you think people face, whether they're senior people or junior people, how much of it is mindset born out of our own negative conversation in our head? And how much of it do you think is just from from other factors? In other words, how often are we shooting our own selves in the foot? So it's interesting because a lot of times when we start, I start working with someone, I can immediately sense that a lot of their stress is being caused by their self-talk. And I will dive into that right away. Sometimes not so much, but there are always scripts that people are running. Right, right. As a coach, I try really hard to listen for the assumptions that they're making, right? Like an example is, well, if I keep doing this, I'm going to get fired. Looking for those assumptions and teasing them out is a lot of my work. And I love that. That's fun. It's almost like, you know, where's Waldo? Finding an assumption in somebody's thought process. Yeah. I mean, my favorite example of this, I was once working with somebody who was so upset that she wasn't making partner. And I don't know, we talked multiple times about how she was worried about it and nervous about it. And then finally, like she caught wind of the fact it wasn't going to happen and she was devastated. And I said to her, well, okay, just stop for a second. Tell me what it is about making partner that you want so badly that your upset isn't going to happen. And she sat there and she sat there and she went, nothing. <laughs> what? Wow. Wow. It was just so ingrained. She was just thinking. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like, it was yeah. ingrained. It was like, I'm on a treadmill mm-hmm. or maybe I'm, I'm on a bus and it's going somewhere and I, I desperately want to get there, but where am I going? <laughs> right. You know, I don't even know where it's landing. Right. Wow. Yeah. And then it, it led to this whole conversation about like what's wanted for her life. And it really just completely changed what she was looking for. And in the end, I don't think she would have been ever happy, as happy as she is now had she made partner then. Isn't that something I can relate to that is as recruiters, we talk to people all the time about oftentimes they don't know what they want. I, I'm serious. They'll like, what do you ha-? It's almost like, what do you got? Well, it's the running from. It's like, well, I don't know what, just not this. Right, right. And I'm always trying to look for those questions that help me uncover what are their values? What are their motivations? Where are they now in their lives? Because there are different times in your lives relative to your family or your your life circumstances that, you know, you got to think about. And it's really, really interesting to me. I love all the human element of this. 
Well, and the world is blowing open right now. Like, yeah, as much as people felt trapped or in a box before, and I thought there were more options. Now there's so many more options. Right. 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 There's all kinds of people working totally virtually. There's these fractional general counsel or fractional CMO, you know, like they're these fractionalized jobs. And there's so much more possibility out there now than ever before. It's so exciting. I love that. I love that because people can walk away today and go, hey, I know I need to network more. Mm-hmm. There's more opportunities out there, right? And there are things that I can do about my mindset and behavior that'll make a real difference in my well-being overall. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, start with a listening campaign. Go out there. What are people doing? What are what are people who used to be where you are doing now? Find them, talk to them, learn about how they got there. You don't have to be in job search mode. Be in learner mode. I love that. I love that. Well, this has been great. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> Thank you so much. Tell people how they get a hold of you, how they find you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my website is jlhcoachingconsulting.com. You know, you can email me through the website. My email is jlhcoach at gmail. Very simple. So either of those ways. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. I, again, couldn't be happier about your insights. They really track well with what we hear in recruiting. And, you know, we're really committed to help people kind of make those transitions more successful, right? Because that's just good for everybody. So thanks again, Jessica.